My name is Isabel. I have a new life in Christ, and I'm recovering from pride, seeking the approval of others, and resentment. I can see now that God in His kindness always pursued me and ultimately protected me. Let me share with you how. From second through fifth grade, my ex-stepfather began a series of manipulative behaviors which involved to him sexually abusing me. It took four separate times of telling on my abuser before any action was taken towards justice. Through those circumstances, I developed a deep sense of my view of right and wrong as well as justice. A stream of bitterness, anger, and resentment won me over through much of my life. I wanted others to believe me. I wanted to be right, so much so that it became an idol. And when I was actually wrong, I felt as if my whole character was wrong, and I sought to protect myself and my image by lying and even had manipulative behaviors. And from the fifth grade through college, I found my worth and value in what boys and later men thought about me. I did whatever they asked of me in order to gain their approval, giving myself away. My first boyfriend was in the sixth grade, and I went from one relationship onto another. And during breakups, I would typically rage in anger towards the new girl and ex-boyfriends. At the age of 13, I developed a high fever for about seven days and was diagnosed with juvenile diabetes. My doctor said that I should have been in a coma with the amount of sugar in my blood. Um, At a midweek service, I recall a pastor and I praying together, and miraculously, the next morning, I was fever-free, and at the next doctor visit, I had no sugar in my blood. God chose to heal me, but I did not understand yet why, nor did I choose to follow him. I didn't even know what that looked like. During my high sc- or during my school years, I went to church often, but that was about it. I didn't trust God or know his character. What I witnessed were people at church and outside of the church that claimed to know Jesus, but pursued a life that seemed to lavish themselves in worldly pleasures, and I followed. I thought because I went to church most of the time and acknowledged that there was a God, I was good enough. I was 18 years old when I got pregnant and chose to have my son Nathan despite my fears. I cannot imagine my life without him. He has been nothing short of a gift and a blessing in my life, shaping and softening my heart by the great responsibility of care and attention that comes with being a mother, teaching me far more than I could ever offer him. Nathan's dad and I married during my pregnancy and separated within months and divorced soon after um, without accepting counsel or family input. At this time, I was not following God and did not care or know what his word said about marriage and divorce. This was one of the darkest seasons of my life. I was trapped in guilt and shame, and in isolation, I wanted the approval I didn't have and thought maybe my life was no longer living, worth living. One night while driving to say goodbye to Nathan at his dad's house, I took 15 Tylenol, and by God's grace, my mother was contacted, and she called for emergency assistance. On the drive to the hospital, the EMTs sent by God spoke to me with great compassion, reminding me that my son needed me here and that it wasn't my time to go. Their doctors told me I was hours away from death. God spare my life. 
Again, on the way to the mental health hospital, the transfer driver spoke to me about Jesus, the King who had plans for my life. Though I remained silent, these words were um, what gave me hope and were enough to keep me searching. After this, I felt really numb, lost, and confused. I searched to find life, but was enslaved to my sin, and it ruled my life unknowingly. I started classes at a community college and quickly gained the understanding that not everyone said they believed in a God or even the God of the Bible. For the first time, I was surrounded by agnostics and atheists that challenged the Bible. I called myself a Christian, but I had no answers to the opposition that professors and other students had. I simply grew more defensive in my prideful attitude. My husband, my now husband Jimmy and I started dating during this time, and Jesus quotes in Matthew 15, 8, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me, which describes us during this time. Our hearts were far from God, setting our own standards and ruling our lives, although we both claimed the Christian faith. We moved in together, and it wasn't long before we were having daily arguments. After an argument one night, we settled down, and I and talked, and I said something like, if there even is a God, I want to know him, and we need to find him if we're going to make it work. He agreed, and we began visiting several church services. In June 2013, Jimmy and I walked in late to Sunday night service at Watermark Dallas. Full of shame, we chose a seat in the back corner. I was flooded with judgmental thoughts about the church size and people. I prayed, asking God to remove the thoughts and open my ears to hear the message. Then I clearly heard the speaker deliver a message about God's love. Over and over, he said, God loves you. I was completely consumed by God's love that night and left the service weeping uncontrollably for about two hours. I had believed the lie for so long that I was dirty and unlovable, especially by a good God. All that I knew ne to do next was to keep coming back. Sunday after Sunday, I began hearing more of God's truth and began realigning my life to God's way. Jimmy and I attended Merge, Watermark's pre class, and realized that even though we were practicing abstinence, we were not choosing God's best by cohabitating. We made the decision for him to move out until after our wedding three months later. And in September of 2014, we became members and were set to join a foundation group, which is community for couples married three years and under. I was checking all the boxes and I thought things were going great. Then the gift of desperation came. My husband confessed that he was an alcoholic. I thought to myself, who did I marry? And after taking a step back, I thought, what a terrible wife I had been to not realize that my husband was struggling with anxiety and masking it with alcohol. I sought his forgiveness for my lack of attention, but told him that he was going to get the help he needed at Regeneration. I joined Jimmy on the first night at Regions, and my plans were to sit in the lobby until he finished. By God's grace, 
I ended up walking into the testimony and worship time. Once again, the critical thoughts came about others. I had no idea what to expect or why I even came in. And listening to the testimony, I heard a woman talk about her sin, which I grew up believing was unforgivable, and how she had met Jesus, her Savior, and through him had received forgiveness and new life. To my surprise, the sin wasn't an alcohol or a drug struggle. I was still wondering if it was okay to be there and not know the reason why. Then God used the leader in the newcomer's circle who openly shared that she had no idea why she came to recovery the first night and how she thought she was only there because of her husband. I was in awe of how God kept responding to my secret thoughts. God quickly and sweetly began to break my prideful spirit and showed me that I had much to be healed from, obviously. In step one, admit, and step two, believe, I plainly saw my sin and how even though I like to be right, I wasn't right enough for God. I also learned that belief and action go hand in hand and that I must not have truly believed since my actions and life showed otherwise. In step three, trust, I realized that I had not chosen to trust Christ's work on the cross for myself and my sin. I prayed to God through Psalm 51, admitting all of my wrong and put my trust in the finished work of Christ, not just with my lips, but with every part of me. And step step four, inventory was burdensome in the beginning, and I didn't want to dig up the past that I had trained myself to bury for so long. It took hours of work, tears, and resurfaced pain from the gaping wounds that had not received proper healing. But after, it was eye-opening, freeing, and healing. I now practice a daily inventory and have become a very self-reflective person, asking myself, what am I feeling? Why am I feeling this way? And what is the idol I'm placing before God? I am able to recognize patterns, and I'm quicker to confess my sin, leading me to repent. In step seven, follow. God pierced my heart once again, teaching me who he is and who he says I am to him. It didn't matter what strangers, friends, family, or even I titled myself to be. I became a child of God when I accepted my need for Jesus Christ, and I no longer needed to be enslaved to my sin nature. In steps eight and nine, for the first time in my life, I learned about biblical understanding of forgiveness and amends, that forgiveness is not reconciliation and did not equal trust, though it is a means for it. And so about a few weeks ago, after 15 years of not knowing anything about my abuser, I found his address and criminal record online, and I actually felt sorry for the man that abused me. I saw him as captive by a terrible enemy of God, enslaved to sin like I once was. I no longer had the hate, resentment, and unforgiveness that weighed me down. Instead, God has laid it on my heart to write and send a message extending forgiveness to Him and sharing the gospel. Only through Christ am I able to forgive my abuser. During my final weeks in recovery, the first time we had our second son, Titus, named after the regeneration verses, Titus 3, 3 through 7, and I was getting anxious about what life would be like after finishing regen. 
And I found James 1, 5. I prayed it often. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. I asked God to give me a hunger for him and um, asked him to guide me through his word. I learned to read the Bible and had the Holy Spirit in me to teach me. I began in the book of Revelation and gained an understanding of how God's story will end. This is planted in me a steadfast hope. The Holy Spirit guides me and teaches me every time I open his word. He is so faithful. There are days when I get caught up in not prioritizing time with God, meditatively reading his word, and I miss out on the opportunity to be with him and grow. I often return to John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. His word is true. I spend my wills when I try to do things on my own, but when I reach out to him, he is faithful and always answers me. Since my first time through regeneration in 2015, I recognize my sin. I certainly recognize my sin more clearly, but I have also come to understand that growth is a process and that I do not need to know how I can change, nor can I change myself. What I can do is surrender to God one step at a time in His direction and allow Him to change me. I have a story to share, and I do any time God gives me the opportunity to. Friends and family around me have seen my life change, and I've shared God's work in my life and the good news in one form or another. With that, I have also come to understand that not everyone wants to hear or even trust in the gospel of Jesus Christ for themselves. And then my struggle of seeking the approval of others shows up. It just looks a little different now. I get so worked up when I feel disapproved, unwelcomed, made fun of, misjudged as a perfect Christian, which doesn't exist. And then I open up God's word and he gives me scriptures like John 15, 18. If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. In Christ, I am never alone in my struggle, which doesn't even compare to those in the early church and greater persecution of fellow Christians around the world. I simply cannot stay stuck in my hurt feelings when I get my perspective aligned with God's. And yet through it all, God has graciously allowed me to partake in baptizing my sister-in-law and mentoring and discipling my younger sister who accepted Christ last summer. What a gift to co-labor with Christ to accomplish His work. Christ has made His way into all areas of my life, including my marriage. Within the last year, I was confronted with the damage of my sin of pride and control had caused. I was not the submissive, respectful wife God called me to be, and I saw the lack of growth it caused our marriage, our family, and our small church group. This did not build my husband up. Instead, it broke him down. And the verse that was instrumental in this confession was Joel 2.22. I'm sorry, 2.25. I will restore to you the years the swarming locust has eaten. Instead of focusing and staying in the damage the locusts had eaten, I held on to God's promise to restore the damage. I broke down emotionally as I acknowledged and confessed my sin of pride while in open group at Reengage and Marriage Ministry here at Watermark. <laughs> 
and how I was met with grace and forgiveness, and the group stopped to pray for me. This impacted my marriage, allowing me to trust God's order in marriage, with Jimmy being my head. Amazingly, since then, God has provided a number of opportunities to grow him in leadership and use his role to greatly benefit and bless our family. I do not see him as one to compete with any longer. Instead, we practice celebrating our differences, recognizing that we are one body, not better than one another, but needing each other to build a godly heritage for his glory. I've learned to respect Jimmy's authority and work to take thoughts captive that say otherwise and make them obedient to Christ. We actually can address and communicate well on many of the issues we previously put off, like budgeting. One of the greatest gifts God has given me is his body, his people, his church. Were it not for them, I could easily get stuck and remain in my sin. I am stronger in faith, consistently repenting, and having to seek forgiveness often. I've been encouraged in a life in life with God that ends in love, peace, and joy. I have been sharpened greatly by the church to be better used for God's purposes. Thankfully, I have the opportunity to serve here at Regeneration Plano and co-leading a group of women through the recovery in Christ process. It's an amazing to walk together and see other women acknowledge their need for Christ and watch the work of the Holy Spirit as He creates new life in them. Tonight, I am so grateful to have had the opportunity to share how God always pursued me and redeemed my story, teaching me His ways as I gathered with His body and worked on my recovery in Christ through regeneration. I pray that you have heard clearly how God and His love brought my days of chaos once ruled by resentment, pride, envy, seeking the approval of man into renewed life by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon me through Christ Jesus, my Savior. This eternal life is a gift offered freely to you as well. You may or may not know why you're here, but you are welcomed, and God knows why you're here. He's been, he is, and has been calling you home. If you're tired and weary, come to him. Learn from him. Walk with him. Pray to him. And know that you are not alone. My name is Isabel, and because of our Holy Father God that did not give up on me, I'm no longer a slave to pride, seeking the approval of others and resentment. Mm -hmm.